Good morning. How many of you are glad to be here this morning? Amen. Come on. Hey, real quick, if you don't care, do me a favor. Uh, grab your Bible, grab the Bible in front of you, turn on your device, whatever you're doing. Um, but go ahead and turn to the book of John chapter 15. And also have ready 1 John chapter 2 because we'll be spending a little bit of time in both. Um, don't really like making announcements before the uh, sermon, but there is something that I do want to point out. Um, if Paul already did this, I'm sorry. I was hunting a bottle of water. So if he did this, just bear with me. But this Saturday, our clothing ministry will be open. I was in our clothing ministry the other day just looking at some of the stuff that's in there. People spread the word because there is some quality stuff in there. I found two old, mem uh, old members. Wow. I'm fixing, to I'm fixing to tell you something in a minute to show you how old I am. But I found two members-only jackets in there the other day. I'm going to tell you something. If they were my size, I'd be wearing them this morning. Y'all remember members-only jackets? Those things are awesome. I know y'all don't think so, but I do. I miss them. Um, but y'all spread the word. Spread the word. They'll be open from 10 o'clock till 2, uh, 2 p.m., um, anybody you know who needs clothes, jackets, kids' clothes galore, guys, I got to tell you, and I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about Under Armour, Nike, Gap, Old Navy, uh, what's that arrow one? Yeah, I can't say them, but anyway, them too, but guys, please spread the word that our clothing ministry will be open, get the word out so we can uh, minister to people as they come. I want to thank both Yvonne and Miss Allison for taking that ministry over, um, what a blessing they are to me and to our congregation. This morning, I woke up extremely, extremely heavy-hearted, and I know why I did. I know exactly why I did, because yesterday, yesterday was one of those days to where um, I tend to focus on the negative. Y'all ever have those days? You ever have those days when you focus on the negative? Got on my phone first thing in the morning, uh, wanted to know when the storm was coming in, because I need to know if I need to mow grass yesterday or not. Turns out I did need to mow grass yesterday, and I'm glad I got it done. But I got on there and started looking at storm number one, and lo and behold, here comes storm number two right after it. Then a news flash comes up, earthquake, 7.2 earthquake, hit Haiti yesterday. Um, last time I seen, over 300 people confirmed dead, thousands missing. Um, then you can't help it. You see other things that just take you down a rabbit trail. And I went to bed last night very, very, very troubled. Very troubled. Woke up this morning very troubled. Not only troubled by what's going on, but heavy-hearted about the message. And this morning, Jennifer came down and caught me sitting in the dark. You ever do that? Sitting in the dark, just sitting there wondering what to do. One of the reasons... She caught me sitting in the dark is because I sit there for so long. Because as I'm sitting there thinking, worrying, concerned about everything that is going on, that little voice inside, not your conscience, that little voice inside, God's Holy Spirit, spoke to me. And it's something I think all of you need to hear this morning. 
just three little words that brought me to absolute tears. And it's probably going to bring me to tears again, but it'd be okay. Those three words were, I chose you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Every one of us are overwhelmed right now. Every one, one of us are trying to figure out what to do, what's going on. Every one of us are wondering if we have what it takes to not only lead during this time, but also make it through this time. Parents, we're wondering if we've got what it takes to be the parent that we need to be. School teachers, you're wondering the same thing. Am I able to do this task before me? Business owners, again, am I able to withstand this? Those three words apply to you too. It's not by chance that God chose you to be here during this time. So I want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody, close your eyes. And I want you to think about all that you've got going on right now. The chaos of trying to parent right now. The uncertainty of everything that's going on around us. The hurt the pain. And then I want you to think about this. God chose you for this moment. God chose you to be here in this moment. He didn't leave you alone. He's just as much with you now as he was that day he saved you. And he chose you to be his instrument of the gospel. Now I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to rest in that. He chose you. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for choosing us. I want to thank you for revealing yourself to me this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for entrusting not only me, but many others with such a great task to proclaim your word this morning. But I also want to thank you, Lord, for entrusting me with my children, my pastorship, this congregation, my family, this community. And Father, when I sit and think about it, that you chose me for this moment. I'm not going to lie, Lord, there's part of me that says to myself, you can't do this. And I know many of my brothers and sisters this morning are feeling the same way. We feel like we can't do it. Father, help us to remember You chose us for this. You chose us to be here in this time. You've equipped us with your gospel to be light in the darkest of nights. You've given us the lung, the air in our lungs. And you've given us voices, Lord. Voices this morning to praise your name, to cry out to you but also help us to remember that those voices that you've given us, Lord, 
are also to proclaim the goodness of who you are and what you've done in our lives. This morning, Lord, as we break into your word, it is our heart, Lord, that we would hear you. You've told us, he who has an ear, let him hear. So, Father, open our ears, open our heart, open our eyes to what your word has for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So can we do it? Can we do it? That's a big question. Can we do it? It's a question that comes about in our lives at many points and times. Can we do this? Just a little recap from last week, and I normally don't do this, but I really wanted to recap a couple of things that we hit on last week because we've been talking about what he said. In other words, what Jesus has said um, in his word. And last week we talked about his promise to send us help. And that help we know is the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the life of a believer. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is not a conscience. A lot of people will try to dumb down the Holy Spirit by saying, well, it's your conscience. No, the Holy Spirit's greater than your conscience because your conscience can be polluted. Your conscience can be polluted by life experiences or influences around us. The Holy Spirit is a part of the triunion God, and he cannot be polluted. And a lot of times, the Holy Spirit will cause conflict in us because there is a war between our conscience, our life experiences, and our influence, and what God is telling us to do. This causes problems in our life. It causes problems in us. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said, he will send you a helper. And if you look at the Greek meaning of that, helper is also meaning one just as me. Now, this is Jesus speaking. So he's telling us that he is going away, but he is going to send us one just like him to help us in times like this. We, always talked about, we also talked about where the Holy Spirit resides. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? Inside of us. And that's going to be a key part to what we're talking about today. The Holy Spirit resides in the believers. Every Sunday, we'll come in and we'll say, welcome to church. And really, that is, that's wrong. And I'm going to tell you why it's wrong. Because the word church, the word church that Jesus used in Matthew, is actually talking about a gathered, holy assembly. So when we welcome you to church, we're actually calling the church, the building, the church. When actually we should be welcoming the church to the building. This is just where we're gathering. This is where we are assembling. And this is where we're coming together to worship through prayer, through praise, and through the proclamation of his word. But the Holy Spirit resides in us. He made our bodies his temple. Now you want to talk about being chosen for something. Think about that for a minute. He chose you to dwell in. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you right now if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ. That same power and he told us to have encourage in this because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead resides in us and we should not be worried because greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in this world. 
So let's go back to that question. Can we do this? Well, in John chapter 15, now remember, context is important. And I know y'all hear that word from me a lot. You probably get tired of it. But the context of what God is saying and when he is saying it in his scripture is very important. Last week we were in John 14. This week we're in John 15 in the first part. And a lot of times this scripture gets taken out of context. So with the thought and the mindset of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, let's read this text together. John 15, starting in verse 1, says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and notice this next part, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, am, I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown, awa- thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. The Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood parts of the Trinity. One of the reasons he is so misunderstood is because of where he works. He works on the inside. Now, a lot of people will tell you that there are external things done by the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to say that they're not. But you need to realize this. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit is a behind-the-scenes job. It's a job that's hard to see. It's work that's not easily noticed. And the reason being is because it's an inside job. He comes inside of us and just scrambles things all up. Man, one thing I love is when we get our house clean. I love it. It very rarely happens. But I love when we get our house clean, and the most beautiful part about it is, well, that's not the most beautiful part about it, but the reason we're able to get the house clean is because usually the boys are staying with Nanny, they're staying with Grammy, or they're staying with Nana, so we're able to get the house clean. As soon as the boys get back into the house, what do you think happens? 
You know this storm that's about to hit the coast? Fred don't have nothing on Colton and Dalton. He doesn't even stand a chance. Part of the reason that we don't like what the Holy Spirit does is because that's what he does inside of us. We get things in order in here the way we lot them. And then he comes in and he just scrambles all that up. He takes all of our organization. He takes all of our views. He takes all of our opinions. And he says, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, this needs to be over here. You know what? You don't need throw pillows and throws them out. Nobody needs throw pillows anyway, guys. I'm just going to be honest. But this is why a lot of people misunderstand the Holy Spirit because the work that he does is inside and it's harder to see. But there's three main things that we can find from this scripture. I know it's a Baptist sermon. I got three points. Aren't y'all proud of me? I ain't got a poem. I didn't go Pentecostal this morning, but I do got three points. But there are three main points that we can draw from this of what the Holy Spirit does in us. The Holy Spirit causes us to produce. The Holy Spirit not only causes us to produce, he also changes our desires. The Holy Spirit also helps us to obey. Scripture's clear right here. He who abides in me and I am him will produce much, what? Fruit. So what's the fruit? Because this is where we get a lot of things mixed up here. We live in an industrial age. Most of us have industrial jobs or have worked in an industrial job at some point in time. I used to work in Atlanta, most of you know this, doing underground power and some overhead power. There was a time when they entrusted me with two crews. So to make the day go better, we used to have these little contests. The contest was who can produce the most, which in our terms was footage. Well, one day I was the youngest guy, so I got all the junk equipment. And when I'm talking about junk equipment, any of y'all who've ever operated, have you ever operated a four lever backhoe? You know, you try to swing the backhoe boom over, you stop it and it still goes four feet. You know what I'm talking about? So I got the old junky four lever backhoe. Not only that, I got an old junky 40, uh, 4010 ditch witch trencher that every five minutes you had to pull the trencher boom up, which is a boom that digs a hole, okay, just so you know, and it's got this big belt and these teeth, and it makes this pretty trench. Well, every five minutes we had to lift that boom up and pump it full of grease to keep the chain tight because if you didn't, the chain would pop off and you spent half a day getting the chain back on the trencher. I had the junkie equipment. Me and my crew, we struggled. It was all we could do to do a thousand feet a day. Well, one of the guys who had been there a lot longer, come time for the company to buy new equipment because they needed tax write-off. So they bought him all brand new equipment. Brought him a, bought him a wobble stick backhoe, bought him a trencher of 5010, which is bigger than the one that I had, with a plow. And I know some of you don't understand this, but let me just tell you. What this did was he could produce 3,000 feet to my 1,000. Big, significant jump. So guess what he wanted to do every day? He wanted to do weekly production. 
He wanted to see who could do the most. It's obvious who's going to do the most, right? Well, our bosses got in on this one day. And they said, okay, we will chart it out from a business standpoint on who has the most production. And I'm sitting there thinking, business standpoint, 3,000 feet a day to my 1,000 feet, that means at the end of the week, he's got 12,000, we only work four days, and I've got 4,000. How's this fair? But we went on with it. That week, every day, got my right at 1,000 foot, and we struggled to get that. Every day, he got his 3,000 feet. New equipment, faster time. So at the end of the week, I thought, well, I'm done. So we come into the yard on Thursday, report what we've got. And my boss looks at both of us and says, no, I said we're going at this from a business standpoint. You'll know who won Monday. I'm sitting there thinking, business standpoint, what do you mean? He got 12,000, I got 4,000. Who do you think won? Well, what I didn't realize at a business standpoint is each crew was divided and each crew had their own set of line items. The one of the line items was equipment expense. When you have $450,000 in equipment expense, your production goes way down. And come to find out, every bit of the thousand foot that I put in a day was nothing but pure profit because all the equipment was already paid for. In our mind, we look at producing a lot like this. We think more is better. We think newer is better. We think more complicated or more advanced is better. But that's not the way God sees it. And that's not what he's talking about here. When he's talking about producing fruit here, you need to realize exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about fruit in you. Because there will never be external evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life until there is an internal change that takes place first. The fruit that he's talking about here, we all know it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. What are those fruits? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've got probably four of those. Three and a half. I've got three and a half of those down. But even with that, there's still work being done in me. When he's talking about producing fruit here, he is talking about producing something inside of you that you cannot produce on your own. Producing doesn't mean more. Producing doesn't mean better. Producing doesn't mean new. It means change. A change that happens inside of you. Go along with me. What's better? A $500,000 house with a mortgage or a $200,000 house debt free? What's better? 6,000 square foot house 
or a 1,500 square foot house. Remember, 6,000 square feet is a lot of footage to clean. What's better? Brand new 2021 Duramax diesel or a smart car. When you go to the gas pump, you'll see which is better. Our minds are trained to think that bigger is better. More is better. Newer is better. The Holy Spirit, though, when it talks about better, it's talking about regeneration. A regenerating that has taken place inside of us on a daily basis. It's what we call sanctification. The first step of the Holy Spirit is getting out all that stuff. He talks in here about the pruning away of the branches. Why, do these, why does he prune them? Why does he prune? So they'll produce more. You know what? You can't be kind if you're bitter. Think about that for a minute. How many bitter people do you know? How kind are they? You want to know why? Kindness cannot settle in the same place that bitterness is. You can't be good when you're bad. And I don't mean that in a new way either. You can't be good or have goodness in you when evil is reigning inside. These things have to be cut away so new fruit is brought forth. And what's that fruit again? It's the fruit that we see in Galatians. And I know some of you are probably thinking to yourself, but Scotty, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't write Galatians. Paul wrote Galatians. Go back to the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of Matthew. Read the Beatitudes and you will see every one of the attributes of the fruits of the Spirit there present. It was in his teaching from the very first sermon that we have penned and we just missed it. He's talking about a fruit that grows inside of us and eventually it will show external evidence. He goes on there to, talk, uh, to say something else and it's a little bit confusing because a lot of people read this and they think, well, what's he talking about? Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sounds like a genie, doesn't it? Sounds like a little magic bottle genie. You sit there, you rub it, the genie pops out, you get to make your three wishes, and you're happy. Right? If you leave out the first part of that, yes, that's what it seems like. But if you add the first part, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Desires are powerful things. Desires force us and cause us to act. Desires are what leads to sin. And our desires are what determines what we want. In 1999, the greatest thing, well, not the greatest thing, but a great thing happened in all of our lives. There was this little box that came out that was called TiVo. Y'all remember TiVo? Did anybody in here have a TiVo? TiVo. Little box you plugged up to your TV, and it would record whatever show you wanted it to record. This was awesome. 
This was awesome because you could record a show, you could watch it later, and you could fast forward through the commercials. The thing is, we've, we've even got it today. Now that it's in this cloud, DVRs, these cloud DVRs, like with YouTube TV. And I'll record something or set something, and you know what I forget to do? I'll sit there and I'll be watching right through the commercial, not realizing, you can fast forward that, Scotty, come on. Jennifer will get upset at me every once in a while. You can fast forward this. You are not my Holy Spirit. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) But this was a great thing for us. But you know who this wasn't great for? This wasn't great for the marketing, marketing industry. Matter of fact, they hated this concept. All these people who made all these commercials hated the concept of TiVo. Why? Because if people are fast-forwarding commercials, they're not getting their product in front of them. Isn't it amazing? You can be sitting there watching TV. KFC commercial comes on. You start craving chicken. Sitting there, Taco Bell commercial comes on. You don't even like Taco Bell. I mean, honestly, not many people do. But you don't even like Taco Bell. A Taco Bell commercial comes on. You want a taco. A car commercial comes on. You look over at your car. Yeah. That is the power of marketing. They put things before us in hopes that it will strike an interest in us and our desires will cause us to do something very compulsive and go buy something that we don't even need. That's why you have all these companies that will pay millions upon millions of dollars for a 30-second ad on the Super Bowl. They know more people will be watching during that time. They know more people will see that commercial. They know that once they see it, they will want it. And they know once they want it, 66% of the time, people will buy it. Pretty good odds, isn't it? Jesus is saying here, if you will keep my word before you, my desires will become your desires. And anything that you ask that goes along with my desires, I will do it. The problem is, we got so many things drawing our attention, pulling us away on a daily basis. Isn't it amazing? You try to read that uh, Bible on your app, Facebook notification comes up, oh, I need to check that. Try to sit there and read a devotional and on your Bible, oh, Weather Channel app. A while ago I told you I was going to tell you how you know you're old. When you look on your FaceTime at how much time you spend, on your phone and the second largest number on your phone is the weather channel app you know you're getting old okay that happened this week by the way but all these things are pulling at our attention why because they know if they get our desires our desires will become wants and our wants will become actions if God's word stays at the forefront of our mind His desires become our desires. 
why Deuteronomy 6 cleanly spoke of the frontlets, the little things that were put around people's heads that had Scripture put on them. Why? Because they wanted it before their eyes on a daily basis. This morning we had a great time in Sunday school. I got to go to Sunday school with our elementary class and Manny used this analogy of 163, 168. See, I was listening, but I missed the number. She had 168 gumballs in a jar. What does that 168 represent? That 168 gumballs represents one hour or an hour, the hours in a week. It's 168 hours in a week. That's how many hours we have in a week. Then over to the side, she had this other jar, and it had two gumballs. I almost ate one. I, was, I thought it was the leftover pile, I'll be honest with you. She holds up that, and she says, out of the 168 hours, these two hours are what's represented by our time at church. What are we doing with our other 166 hours? Is it any surprise that our desires go more towards the world than they do go to God? Is it any wonder that our children are flocking to everything else instead of flocking to His Word? We've got so many things that are biting for our time, and the Holy Spirit is wanting to change the desires in us But for that to happen, we have to change what we're letting in. Why don't you think about this for a minute before we move on. The disciples are in the upper room praying. Remember this? Jesus has died. Disciples are in the upper room praying. You want to know why they were really in the upper room? What were they doing? Hiding. Exactly right. You know what their desire was? Their desire was to live. The Holy Spirit comes in their life, floods inside of them. What's their desire after that? Proclaim God's Word. The Holy Spirit will change your desires, but you've got to quit putting other garbage in front of it. Somebody told me a long time ago, and it's very true. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you putting in? What are you putting in? The next thing that he tells us is he tells us, this one's hard, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. This one's one that really hits home for me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The Holy Spirit not only Helps us to produce fruit, internal fruit. He also helps us to change our desires, but he also helps us to obey. I don't like obeying. I have an issue with this. At heart, and most of you are too, at heart, I'm a rebel. I like to rebel against authority. I like to rebel against systems. I like to rebel against organization. I hate organization. 
For the longest time, I tried to get organized. I bought uh, planners every year. There's a box of them out there if any of you want them. I'm sure it will repeat in some fashion that's similar, but I hate organization. Why? Because it goes against everything that's in me. But why is it that I hate this? Let's be honest. The true reason I hate this is because there's still fruit that's got to be produced in me which will continue to change my desires and will help me to be the person that God has designed me to be. Without the internal change, without the change of the desires, obedience will never happen. It will never happen. I want you to look at this with me because this whole thing about abiding, it's, it's not something that John just left in 15. Turn over to John chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 2. And I'm only going to read three verses right here. But in John chapter 2, verses 3, it says this. By this, we know... Oh, sorry. Four. Sorry, my fault. The one who, has, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep my commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that he walked. Look real closely what John did. Jesus in chapter 15. Eternal change. Spiritual fruit. Second, you have the desires change with the word. Third, you have the obedience. Notice what John did here. He reversed it. Those who do not, those who say they know God, but don't follow his commands, they're a liar. Those who do not keep his word in front of them, his desires, they're not of him. And the one who doesn't walk as, God, as Christ walked, when we're talking about walk, we're talking about attributes here, guys. We're talking about how he lived his life with goodness, patience, peace, joy. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like formulas. You want to know why I don't like formulas? Because people check them. They think of them as a checkoff list. But at the same time, there are some formulas that are present in a believer's life. Such as regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification. Salvation, baptism, discipleship and we've all got these questions and I know a lot of these things raise up in our mind we're, saying, we're thinking to ourselves okay produce fruit change desires follow commands I don't know that I can do this you're not reading the scripture for what it says if you abide in him you will do this it's not an issue of if you can 
the true issue and the true question that is being posed before us is will you? Will you? Because the Holy Spirit can change the fruit that's produced in your heart. The Holy Spirit can change your desires. And the Holy Spirit can lead you to obey. The question that this is leaving with us is, will you? If you keep my word. If you follow my commands. If you abide in me. And I in you. This is tough. This is convicting. This is conflicting. And this is challenging. But what this scripture is saying right here, and it's screaming it loud and clear, you can, with the work of the Holy Spirit, do this. The question I'm leaving with you this morning is, will you? Father, sometimes your word just speaks on its own. And that's what I'm praying happens this morning. I'm praying this morning, Lord, through what was read in your word about how you desire to grow us into the people that you created us to be. That that would stir something in our hearts that would cause us to forget the question, can we do this? but hit the reality of the question, will we do this? Father, we've surrendered our lives to you. But unfortunately, some of us, including myself, Lord, like to hang on to certain sections. Father, by the spirit that you have put in me, help me to produce the fruit that has not grown yet. Help me, God, to change the desires from the desires of this world to the desires of your kingdom. And help me, Lord. Help me with everything that is in me to obey the commands that you have put before us. Because, Father, I know with everything that's in me, that when these things take place, external results will be seen. Father, I desire for your spirit to do a work in me that I can't do on my own. But I also desire your spirit to do a work in each and every one that is in earshot of my voice. Whether it be here in the sanctuary or even online. to ask themselves this question this morning. Will we allow you, Lord, to work in our lives? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's times I don't like what the Bible has to say because it brings a lot of inward conflict in me. And this morning, there's a good chance it's bringing a lot of inward conflict in you. And this morning as they sing, it's your, your chance to respond. The question isn't, can you do this? The scripture made it clear, yes, you can. But the scripture did give us a very clear question 
that each of you have to answer today? Will I? And I know some of you are thinking, well, I'll just put that decision off. You need to realize this. This morning you're making a decision. You either will or you won't. But that decision's up to you. This morning, maybe, maybe God's stirring your heart this morning for you to know the salvation that Jesus has offered you. And in a nutshell, I'm going to put it like this. God created us perfect and in his image. And just like always, man, anytime man gets involved, we mess things up. Well, we messed it up, and we sinned. And the sin that we have committed separated us from God. God wasn't happy with that. But God also knew that we couldn't do nothing to make it right. So what does God do? He does something that none of us would have done as parents. He sent his son. And hear me out on this. He didn't just send his son to show us an example on how to live. The reason Jesus Christ came to this earth was to pay the debt for the sins that we had committed. And the only way that that could be done was by the shedding of his blood. The blood that he shed on that cross, he shed it for you. And this morning, he is wanting you to know this. That his son didn't stay dead. That his son rose from the dead to show his victory over sin, to show his victory over death, and to show his victory over the grave. And this morning, if you believe that, and you turn from yourself, you can have eternal life with Christ. This morning, if God's leading you that way, you have to respond too. And your response is going to be the same. I will or I won't. Regardless, this morning, you're making a decision. As we stand and as they play, I'm not trying to provoke you, just being real. What decision will you make? Tommy?